communication leads to expectation. So if you're communicating where you're at, what you need or what you think you need, then you create expectations from that in the relationship. That's a very mature relationship. So that's excellent. Like what you're saying there. If that if that isn't communicated, there is no expectation. Therefore, the other person is going to keep trampling all over your personal space and you're not going to like it. And eventually that relationship will dissolve or explode. everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Catholic Gentleman. We are so blessed to bring this to you every week. We are even more blessed that you have decided to tune in to listen to us. We are your hosts. I'm John Heinen. We've got Devin Shaw and we've got Sam Guzman here with you. We come at this every single week to talk about themes and issues that are important to men, especially men who are Catholic striving for holiness That's our goal, and we appreciate you joining us on that. Please keep us in your prayers this Lent. You are in our prayers. So today we get to talk about toxic relationships, right? To use an overused word in uh, the uh, um, secular world. Relationships are difficult, but they're an important part to being a man, and they're an important part to being a man of holiness. If you like what we talk about today, you can head over to Catholic Gentleman Plus, where we go into a longer, more extended version of this episode every single week. In addition, we also come out with monthly sessions. This month, we have Spiritual Warfare. Next month, we're coming out with our 10th session on St. Joseph. So there's a lot of things, a lot of themes, a lot of um, you know intimate conversations that are being had for the hearts and minds of men to help us all grow in holiness in this world that is so against that pursuit. And so head over there, great way to support us, Catholic Gentleman plus. So Devin, Sam, how are you guys doing today? Good. Yeah. Lent is upon doing us. Doing great. Uh, <laughs> wearing a t-shirt for the first time in a very long time. Oh. Or shirt, I should say, so I'm very happy about that. <laughs> you yeah. you southerners. <laughs> here in February. That's right. It does feel pretty good outside in, in Texas here. So uh, I had a cold this weekend, so I apologize to our listeners if my voice is a little <clears throat> off, but I'm on the men's and, and doing better. So um, great. Well, here's the first thing that I want to talk about is uh, friendships aren't so important. We talk about it here at the Catholic Gentleman. It's one of the ruptures that happened at the fall of man. Um, we broke our relationships with other people and understanding other people and people understanding us is a is a constant point of division. You know, fast forward to today. 2024, you got this distorted understanding of what friendships are, right? Are you a great friend because you have 5,000 followers on Facebook? They're 5,000 friends, right? They get to tell you all their business, even if it's stuff that you shouldn't have any access to. And unfortunately, vice versa, right? And then in addition, I think that there's this issue of codependency that is just uh, pervasive throughout our societies. And by that, I mean, is this under misunderstanding of what relationships are or friendships are. And, and by that, I mean, if somebody is, if they're your friend and they're emotionally sad, you need to be sad. And if they're emotionally happy, you need to be happy that your emotions are dependent on another person. And in a way, you are accountable for their emotions. And I think that's a lot of people and how they define friendship today. And so I want to discuss that. But today we're talking about something different. We're talking about toxic and difficult relationships, relationships that 
that need pauses and need us to put up barriers and that we're going to go into because we've already talked about what it means to be a true friend and how to cultivate that within yourself on our episode on how to know your true friends that we did a, a little while ago. And what I hope to talk about today in a very um, honest way is how these relationships, not just our neighbors and friends, but even our family members affect our lives and kind of what our responsibility and obligations are to those individuals in our lives. Because I can tell you that I get very clouded a lot of times, especially when it comes to the intimacy of, of family friends, friends who are, um, who are other family members in my extended family and kind of what my role is and what my obligations are, even if our pursuits in life and our beliefs in life are, are completely different. And, mm. um, and that, that sort of voice always sneaks into my head of, well, you know, I need to, um, I need to be friends with them because nobody else is given a true witness of Christ in their life. And, and then I put that burden oftentimes upon myself and I end up failing at delivering. And so I want to kind of be honest and talk about that. So Devin, I kind of wanted to shift to you when you hear this and, and talk a little bit about, um, what you feel is an important concerns for us to consider and address today, um, before we actually dive into, um, some of these methods that we've discussed and prepared. Sure. So we're talking about detaching from problematic people. And yeah. I think there's two typical kind of responses, at least if you're a Christian, you know, well, maybe even if you're not a Christian, I think on one hand, the Christian guilt can take a hold of us. And we feel like regardless of how bad, and as you say, toxic, the relationship is, I have to be in this relationship at all costs with no boundaries, no barriers, and just let this person do whatever they are going to do to me. Okay, that's one major extreme. Then the other extreme is if you have the slightest amount of any, any characteristic that I dislike, or if I think you're not up to my standards or not as in, in the Christian world, as holy as I am, I'm going to separate from you. So those are kind of the two extremes. So as we navigate this, what is the, what is the proper position? How do we handle problematic relationships? And I, I acknowledge right off the bat, this is very sacred ground. We've all been betrayed. We've all been wounded. We've all been maligned, perhaps even abused, right? And we all know someone who we don't like and someone who doesn't like us. Maybe a lot of people yeah. don't like yeah. us. <laughs> so I think this conversation is a lot about a mission of discovery where we're trying to seek out the right way to respond. And, and, and this is another important point. We're not reacting mm. because reactions are actually impulsive and they're knee jerk. We're talking about responding a way that we can analyze certain relationships, certain behaviors, and then respond properly so that we can actually live the totality of our life in a, in a freedom, in a way of freedom and liberation and actually becoming the best person we can while calling other people along with us. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I like how you brought up uh, us being basically <laughs> the poor friend or the, yeah. the difficult friend for somebody else, right? It's, it's good for us to be honest about that because, um, I, I've likely been that to many people and, uh, didn't spend a lot of time in thinking about that in preparation for this episode. So well, here's our really chance, John, you're on the couch. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Think about when I failed in friendships. Um, yeah, not, not, not hard to do though, for sure. Hey Sam. So what are your thoughts when it comes to kind of setting the stage, if you will, on, um, not necessarily the importance of relationships, but, 
um, how to um, handle these difficult relationships that inevitably come our way. Yeah, it's it's often a question of balance. I think health, wholeness is often about harmony and balance. Mm-hmm. And just like Devin was talking about in our culture today, there's two extremes. One is like people just get really entangled and enmeshed in relationships to the point where they like can't even discern who they are anymore because who they are is so defined by other people and their approval or disapproval or their mood states or whatever, like that codependency that you're talking about. That's like mm. one extreme or it's like, I, I only exist in relationship to you. Um, the other extreme, of course, is people who discover this idea of like, oh, yeah, there can be unhealthy people. There can be toxic people. And so I'm going to swim to the other extreme and just cut myself off, walls up, shields up from anybody and everybody who in any way rubs me the wrong way, which is exactly what Devin's talking about, right? So it's two poles, two extremes. Yeah. The good news about that is like it can it points us towards that direction of balance and harmony, which is kind of that midway between those two extremes. But what we're not I want to emphasize very strongly what we're not talking about when we talk about toxic people is we're not talking about cutting off anybody and everybody who um rubs you the wrong way. And I want to emphasize this because again, like some people just get a little taste, a little hint mm. of mental health awareness or you know, <laughs> from a Christian perspective, you know, spiritual healthiness yeah. and they go crazy. You uh, no longer serve my needs. <laughs> See you later. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. you no longer, you know, build me up. You're gone. And they just cut off family. They cut off friends. And it's just like this brutal bloodbath of cutting off everybody in your life who you don't like. And then one day you find out that you're very alone and you can't mm-hmm. figure out why you can't get along with anyone. So I just, between those two extremes, that's the one I want to emphasize more because that's the tendency people have when mm. they discover the idea of boundaries or they discover the idea of you know, not letting people walk all over you is they immediately swing to that extreme of like uh, my needs only serving my ego or you're gone um, and you know, or you're a toxic person. Everyone's a narcissist. Everyone's, you know, mm-hmm. self-absorbed. Everyone is toxic. And like that, that's not what we're talking about here. So I, we do want to tread carefully as usual. And, and approach this mm. in a nuanced way. But I just want to let everyone know ahead of time, that's not where we're going. If, if, you're, if you're worried about that, that's not where we're going. So, Such a great point, Sam. I really appreciate you mentioning that because I think we can all see that in our own lives, right? And I, we've been very honest about it on our episode as our faith life has grown, right? So has our pursuit of virtue. And in pursuing virtue, you just all of a sudden seeing the failings of every single other person. Um, you know, it's, it's if they're highlighted and then you start even imagining failings and you don't know how to handle those relationships. You don't know how to handle those, oh, those situations. So yeah, you just write them all off or you just assume that, you know, God doesn't want you to have to deal with these, you know, and we can see that as we've discussed both in, in the liturgy, um, you know, among individuals that are cited one way or the other, we see that in the church, but I think we can also see that, um, when you're like, honestly trying to, uh, be an individual that doesn't speak negatively of other people. And then all of a sudden it's like every single person in your life speaks negatively. And so since you're not strong enough of an individual to overcome that temptation or to, you, you just, 
categorize them all as uh, as people who are bringing you to sin and occasions for for sin and and stuff and so isn't that easier right isn't that the way that we all desire that black and white in life is that if it, if it was always like this then then goodness wouldn't things be much easier so yeah pendulum can swing pretty hard both directions but we're always looking to find that means we're always looking to find that virtue and that 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 settled point yeah a relationship ceases to be perfect once you join it so. <laughs> that's right such a good reminder going yeah, back to so that I, beginning there devin yeah <clears throat> I, I well i just think that there's a problem with um the the challenge is is that we're all looking for perfection in ourselves and in others and it becomes kind of like this false god principle where we're looking for the perfection of god and other people and then when we don't find it in them mm. we're almost scandalized and then we drop them right and then but yeah. we really need to reflect back on ourselves what if what if people were to do that to us because we're definitely flawed big time i'm majorly flawed and if people mm -hmm. were to do that to me i would be you know i'd be crushed you know because i just f feel like i couldn't trust humanity at any level so we have to just keep in mind that that's not how christ operated and that's not how we should operate and so the question is is how should we operate and i think we've got a little bit of a framework here and you we can talk do. about that maybe yeah no i appreciate that um before we jump in there there was something that you said to me in an earlier conversation um that was really honestly very helpful and it was kind of like how to categorize people because i was i was stuck up on this kind of categorizing of individuals by mm. uh, friends family neighbors um and it was unfortunately more difficult for me to uh, simplify it in that method, right? Because there was, uh, families which have a deeper blood tie, you know, and then there's, there's friends from childhood versus new friends. Then there's actual neighbors. And in scripture, it says, you know, love thy neighbor as thyself. So are we, you know, looking at the person right next door to us? And, um, then what happens if we move, you know, <laughs> a new neighbor, et cetera, <laughs> right? I could go on and on, but, but you had uh, good categories. I'd, I'd love for you to bring those categories up just so we can kind of, that are a little bit more broad. Um, um, but at the same time, I think easier for the minds of men to to uh, address this conversation on friendship. Yes. So this is from Ratzinger's book on Christian brotherhood, basically, is where I get the framework for this. And it's an it's a incredible little beautiful work. But the idea is that in the early church, there was this idea of there's a duality really in the New Testament. There is those who are in and those who are out. You have the you have the Ishmaels and you have the Isaacs. You have the Esaus. You mm -hmm. have the Jacobs. You have you know the chosen and the rejected. Okay, and you know we for better for worse, whether you like it or not, that's the duality. That's the truth. And as we moved in from the Old Testament to the New Testament, there is this duality that still exists. It's called the brotherhood. And so the church, inside the church, you have the brotherhood, your brothers. Then you have your neighbors. The, the, they're those who could be considered other brothers in a way, or they could just be considered non-believers, right? And then you have your enemies. So these are kind of mm -hmm. the three camps that we fall in. And then we need to be able to assess, okay, so am I dealing with a brother? Now, how do I escalate to figure out where I'm at with this brother in relationship? Is this too toxic? Same thing with a neighbor, you know, or a other brother, if you will, and then an enemy. And so we'll get into it in a minute, but these kind of really 
for me, Ratzinger's distinction here really helped me in discerning who am I dealing with really here? How should I respond to this person? What is my behavior supposed to be like? Really? What can I expect from them? You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I really appreciate that. So to jump onto the next uh, section here, what I would like to talk about is kind of ways to deal with problematic people first. Uh, So before we start discerning uh, different reasons why or how to identify people who are problematic or toxic in our lives, um, I'd love to start by talking about ways that we can deal with them, ways that a good Christian Catholic man can handle and deal with these individuals. And we've got a couple of tiers here that I think are going to be really helpful for us to um, identify and walk through because there are, and honestly, when you go through these tiers or we start talking about these tiers, start thinking about those issues in your life where um, not only were there people that needed to have these different um um, let's call them um, uh, tiers of of um, separation. Um, but at the same time, where maybe you failed to communicate effectively, that caused that relationship to get more negative. Because I can think of that one, and I'm going to talk about the first one here, and that is um, breaks. Yeah, so why don't, why don't you list them out, uh, the three Bs? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah so yeah, the, the three Bs um, are breaks, and then the next level is boundaries, and then beyond that level of boundaries is actually barriers. And um, and they increase in their magnitude and, and what is required uh, of us men within our relationships with others. And so going back to that first one of breaks, um, that is every relationship needs uh, pauses. Every relationship needs some separation to uh, to maintain our identity and to, um, truly love the other person. And when I talked about, thought about this break, um, I immediately started thinking about the need to communicate that effectively and charitably with an individual. I think we're going to get that theme when we go through all of these, but one of them with breaks, I thought about, and I brought him up before he was a, a close friend of mine. May he rest in peace now, but he um, used to talk to me a couple times a week. He was quite quite a bit older than me, um, a, a separated man, and he had a lot of time on his hands, was a good man. But I started having children, and as I started having children, my ability to stay uh, focused on that friendship uh declined simply because of my obligations and responsibilities as a father greatly increased with uh, the frequency of children that I was um, blessed to receive. And that started hurting his feelings. And so I just ignored that reality. I did. I ignored the fact that it was, I knew it was hurting his feelings and I just kind of ignored it. Um, and just kind of was like, he's going to have to suck up and figure this out, you know? (laughs) And, and I realized my own failings in that because when I finally, we had this confrontation after quite literally, like probably like two to three years of this sort of tension, um, of like this elephant in the room, we had this conversation and I was just very honest with him in that moment. And we talked about, Hey, just once a month is when we're going to connect. And when we connect, I'm looking forward to seeing you. And that relationship maintained and it maintained a, a strong. And anytime we connected, he, 
you know, shared with me all his happenings in life and the books that he was working on and the classes he was teaching and things like that. And it was really good. And I realized that I had gone through this difficult, tense situation for quite literally a couple years because I just didn't open my mouth and I was just hoping he would just figure it out. And again, not a great way to do it. So, um, Sam, why don't you talk a little bit about breaks and, uh, and the importance of these little pauses within relationships to, um, help them grow stronger. Yeah, it, it is important because I, I, when we talked about those two poles, right, of like complete isolation versus like codependency where you're just so enmeshed with somebody emotionally, you can't find that proper distance. But, but I think it does start with communication. You, you, you owe it to the other person to be able to um, express yourself and express that you're feeling a little bit smothered. You're feeling like things are getting maybe too intense and then, and there's different ways we can talk about doing that, but but the point is communication is key. Um, so in other words, don't be John. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But like, uh, <laughs> uh, I like this writing theme. It's uh, good. <laughs> yeah, it's fun throwing you under the bus, um, John. But uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. But uh, no, like <laughs> every relationship does need breathing room. Like inhale, exhale, right? Like. There's movements of moving toward and sometimes stepping back. And that is necessary for health. Even I would go so far as to say in marriage, if you Mm. are only spending time with your wife and you never get away to spend time with other guys and she never gets away to spend time with other women, you know, if you're going to start feeling smothered Um, and that's not a bad thing. That doesn't mean you don't love her. It doesn't mean you don't enjoy spending time with her. But it's it's necessary for creating a healthy distance. Relationships thrive on that perfect amount of distance where it's like you're not so close that you're you're clinging and smothering, but you're not so far away that there's no connection there. There's no no emotional depth. And so it is a little bit of a dance, right? You're like, well, how do I find that? Well, you don't know until you try so if you are feeling like I really just need to go out with the guys, it's been a little while, it's been, you know, a month or two, I haven't had time, right? But I need to do that. Like you need to communicate to that to your wife. And, and hopefully if she's a supportive spouse, she'll encourage you in that. But any relationship that is healthy will allow room for that. And it's actually very revealing if the other person gets angry about that, upset about that. Yeah. Um, and starts to resent you for that. Like that's kind of a red flag, right? Whether it's a friendship or a marriage or something like that. If they can't handle a little bit of separation, things are headed in an unhealthy direction. Um, mm-hmm. So the thing I would encourage you to do is if you, you really need to trust your intuition a little bit. If you're being around somebody makes you, really uncomfortable, makes you really squirm, makes you really feel smothered or like, you know, drained of energy or things like that. Those are usually warning signs that you might need a break. Mm-hmm. You might need some separation. You might need a little bit of distance. And that's okay. That's a part of healthy attachment. And so, so take a step in that direction. Maybe communicate something like that. Express what would be helpful to you. Like, I just need to go out with my guy friends or whatever it is, whatever it is. Um, or like John, like, hey, we're talking too much on the phone. You know, I have a family. I have a wife now. My circumstances have changed. I still care about you as a friend. 
Well, I just need to decrease the frequency of how much we're talking because it's not something that's sustainable for me. But I still want to talk to you. I still want to communicate with you. Like, how can we make this work? Um, and again, if they freak out, if they get angry at you or they lash out or act all hurt or pout or have a pity party, like that's a, that's a sign that the relationship has already gotten unhealthy. Um, so just a few thoughts there, but yes, separation and return, like there's like a healthy flow and dance in a relationship and it's a necessary part. And if you don't have that, things are going to get, um, unhealthy for both of you it's not just about you it's about the other person too so yeah no i appreciate that very much devin what are your thoughts that's great <clears throat> communication leads to expectation so if you're communicating where you're at what you need or what you think you need then you create expectations from that in the relationship that's a very mature relationship so that's excellent like what you're saying there if that if that isn't communicated there is no expectation. Therefore, the other person is going to keep trampling all over your personal space and you're not going to like it. And eventually that relationship will dissolve or explode. And so this, this is a great framework because what you're doing, like Sam, what you were just talking about, you said it twice where, okay, the break isn't, you know, I suggest this break. Here's why this is what we need to do. And if the person or expresses any kind of anger or resentment, you know that you've got to go to the second B, which is so you go from breaks to boundaries. And then if it continues to escalate, you're like, OK, I'm examining this relationship. Is this where I need to implement a barrier? And so I love that. I love what you're saying there is like, look, I'm evaluating this relationship and we really need a break here. That's great. If the person's mature. Excellent. If they're not mature and the relationship isn't mature. Hmm. I need to assess this and is this where I need to develop some boundaries and, and, and really, you know, examine what kind of boundaries I need to put in place. So I, th I think that's excellent. So communication leads to expectation, which is great because both parties know what's at stake. I remember when I was dating my wife, man, it was full on. It was like, you know, if you, if you think about like the sun and the moon, it was like, it was daytime all the time. The sun was shining all the time. We had to be with each other every single minute of the day. Yeah. And it's like, and as much as we loved each other, we're infatuated with, it was exhausting, right? And it exhausts <laughs> us. And you're talking about the same things over and over. Yeah, I think I heard her say that like 30 times now. You know, it's like, yeah. okay, where are we? And then you don't have any other relationships that are feeding you. So then you're relating that kind of information to, you know, her. And so it becomes implosive. Mm. And that's, that's another thing here is you can put all your pressure on one person and make them the God of your life, the son of your life. And there's no nighttime, you know, there's no downtime. It's a huge mistake. So yeah. anyway, I know I've talked a lot, but I, I love that, Sam. I, I love how we're looking at this relationship and we're like, yeah, I need some pauses here. I'll see this person once a week for coffee or once every three weeks for coffee, or I'll meet with them via Zoom once a month, whatever it is. I'll give them an hour of my time, but something's not healthy here. Mm, maybe I need to examine this through the, through the boundary realm. Yeah. Yeah. And I would just say that Men, this is <clears throat> requires of you a certain degree of of um, grit 
to have these tense conversations with people because I know that for me, I just didn't want to have that conversation because who likes going down this road of confrontation? But if we're able to kind of put on this mind that we're talking about here, that this is the charitable thing to do. This is the loving thing to do as communications builds expectations. That's what we've got here is like just false expectations, mismanaged relationships that don't help anybody that aren't bringing anybody closer to Christ. And, um, and so, uh, it's, it's for the dignity of the person as well as, um, for the, the, liberating ourselves, you know, of kind of this tie that we've, uh, put upon this relationship simply because we're not willing to have that tough conversation. So when we move to that next level of boundaries, uh, this is the one that I do think that that conversation needs to be a very effectively communicated. And this level of boundaries is basically, uh, to the next degree of, Hey, you know, I'll meet with you, but we're going to limit it to X amount of time. Or when we get together, I can't talk. I can't have gossip. I can't have negative talk, right? This type of person is somebody that you'll likely never have a great relationship with in your life for various reasons, right? Um, and that's okay. Uh, you know, we can't be best friends with every single person that we meet, regardless of what your, you know, 10 year old child will, um, will tell you. And, and, you know, so we've got to, uh, uh, understand these relationships where they're at. And if somebody that you just can't have a great relationship with, maybe they're just not on the same maturity level as you. And, um, in which case they're not a bad person. Um, and they might be in close proximity. They might be uh, a neighbor, you know, that's, that's right next to, to you. But when those situations arise, I think it's incredibly important to put very clear boundaries on the things that are, um, just kind of non-negotiables, uh, within, uh, those meetings. Devin, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I was talking with my daughter about this. She's married now. She has three children pregnant with her fourth. And we were talking about this idea of boundaries. And she said, you must be able to say no without guilt. Uh, You must be able to say no without guilt. I love that Mm. because the problem with us as we begin to advance in our relationship with Jesus Christ as Christians is we kind of, there's this weird tendency at first perhaps to become kind of a doormat and we just kind of let people, and we think we're being Christian, you know, but actually there are times where we have to say, no, this, this isn't, this isn't working or this is too much time or I can give you an hour on this day of the week and it has to be scheduled. But if you come into my, you, you know, come, you stop by my house or you're call I'm not going to answer the phone. You know what I mean? Because we, this is how I need my life to operate, whatever. I know it sounds a little bit selfish, but however, if that's what you need and you've got a lot of obligations, you've got a rich family life and you know, that's what you need. The other person loves you. They'll abide by that. And I think this is very important. Men, especially single men, are deathly afraid of asking a woman out. They're, mm. at, they're deathly afraid of rejection. This is a great space as men where we can work with each other and challenge each other in a kind of a safety zone, to, especially single men, to be able to get up enough grit, as you say, enough courage to be able to ask her out. So what am I talking about here is like when you see a relationship needs some boundaries and you talk about that as men, that's kind of like flexing that muscle so that you're like, wow, I do have confidence. I do have courage. And we got through that. And you know what? Maybe I can do that in a sense of 
asking a, a woman out, dealing with kind of maybe some difficulties or uncomfortableness in the relationship and learn to work through that, not just walk away and give up or not even try. So I, I, I look at Jesus. Jesus is really a great example of, you know, breaks and boundaries and then eventually barriers. But the breaks, he left his apostles a lot and went off to be with the father alone. You know, he needed that time by himself. He had, you can't give what you don't have. So he had to get re, refueled by his relationship with the father. But then, you know, these boundaries, Peter is like, hey, you're not going to suffer like that, Lord. No way. We're not going to let that happen. And he's like, get thee behind me, Satan. This is my boundary. You're not going to speak that trash to me. That's not the gospel that I'm adhering to and that I'm going to live by. And so this is the boundary. You got to speak positively in the sense of hope that the cross is the destiny, but after that's a resurrection, not we're going to take the easiest route out of this. So Jesus is great at, 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 at placing certain boundaries in relationships. And then he calls those people along. I love what he does with Peter on the shore of the Sea of Galilee after resurrection. He's like, Peter's like, hey, what about him? Talking about John. He's like, hey, what about him? What if I let him live till the end of time? That's not, that's the boundary. We're not talking about John here. We're talking about you, Yeah, you know? So I love that. I had a friend, I still have, he's a great friend. So this is where I'd push back a little bit is that I think that sometimes when you establish boundaries in a relationship, it gives the other person the opportunity to rise up if they really want to have a great relationship with you. Mm. And then it builds into something great. A friend of mine, um, he'd get kind of envious or jealous, like when we'd hang out in crowds and stuff like that. And he wanted to be kind of like the sole friend, you know, and, and so it'd be like this kind of stage of maybe a little pouting and, you know, maybe resent or whatever. And finally I had enough and I just called him. I said, look, in a sense, here's the boundary. If you want to be my friend, you have to trust that I am your friend and not act like this. And if you're able to do it, great. If not, this isn't going to work. Well, what do you know? He started rising up, you know, in the friendship, acting like properly. And now we have a great friendship 20, 30 years later. So that's, that's how the Lord through honesty, communication leads to expectation. I think great friendships can be forged. And what happens? Both of you become real men. He becomes a man. He yeah. overcomes that. I become a man because I become brave enough and not saying, okay, I don't know if I want to talk to him about this, blah, blah. No, I inject. And then boom, the friendship starts to grow because we're trusting each other. Excellent. Yeah. Sam. Yeah. The, the, this, this idea of boundaries is so important for healthy relationships. Why? Because it's something, it's something you said, Devin, that I think is really important. Well, maybe it was your daughter who said it, but like the no without guilt. Why is then, why is it important to be able to say no without guilt? Because freedom lies in the will. And what does the will do almost exclusively is say yes and no. <laughs> And if you can't say no, you're not really free. What do we call that? Yes, like, right. if, let's say if I I can't say no to sweets, um, that's called an addiction, right? Like, and if I can't say that's no right. to pornography, like that's called an addiction, right? And so it's amazing to me, though, when it's something good, we never think about that. Like, someone, you know, we need volunteers for the church picnic. Okay, I could say yes, or I could say no. That's freedom, right? But if it's like, oh, I have to do that. I have to go and volunteer for the church picnic. 
you know, that's actually not a free choice. Like if you, if there's something yeah. in you that won't allow you to say no, you're not really a free person. Even if what you're doing is something objectively good. Um, and so I think it's very important that we're in the season of Lent, right? And we talk about fasting yeah. and asceticism and giving things up. And all of that's doing is training our will to be able to say yes and to be able to say no. You know, if I, uh, hey, Starbucks is right there. I'd love to stop and get a coffee, right? But if I can't say no to myself, uh, I don't have the money. Well, that's not wise. That's that's a lot of sugar. Or it's Starbucks, a corrupt, degenerate company. Um, yeah, yeah, say no to Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, Satan bucks. Yeah, right. Say no to Satan bucks. But if I can't uh. say no to myself in that moment, something wrong, right? I'm an addict at that point. Yeah. And and or like slave. Said, yeah, and we don't want to be slaves. Mm-hmm. We want to be genuinely free. And only genuinely free people can say no without guilt. And that's what we're yeah. that's what we're working towards here when we talk about boundaries. And when you first erect a boundary in your life, it's going to be uncomfortable. People don't want to do this. Yes. This is why they swing to those extremes of being a doormat. Yeah. Um, and then after they've been walked on for long enough and they get fed up, then they swing to this like extreme of aggression where maybe they lash out finally. And people are like, where did that come from? He's normally so nice. He's normally so calm. Well, it's because some part of you is fed up <laughs> yeah. being a doormat, right? But the yeah, healthy yeah. the healthy balance, that golden mean, right, is being able to say no freely and being able to say yes freely. All sacrifice should come from a true place of freedom, not from a have to. Mm. I could say no to this sacrifice, right? But I'm freely choosing it out of love. That's radically different than this compulsive need to people please and like keep throwing yourself under the bus in order to keep everybody else happy. That's not actually a free sacrifice. And we all know people who, you know, maybe do that. I, I've, you know, I've known different people in my life who will literally run themselves into the ground. And it's like, why are you doing this to yourself? And it's like this compulsive need to be that martyr, to be that person that's always there, that's always meeting everyone else's needs without ever taking yeah. care of themselves. And it's not freedom. It's slavery. And I think that's awesome, Sam, because a lot of times as good Catholics, we can have that Irish Catholic guilt where we're like, oh no, mm. Jesus Jesus is demanding right. me to be that doormat. And Jesus is demanding me to just suck it up. And and no, he's not. No, he is not. And I, I fear for the, I, and I, I have sorrow for women who are in uh, marriages and relationships like this, where they think that they have to have sex with their husband or or their boyfriend to keep him or whatever, because I can't say no. I'm not allowed to. You know, I, I just have. This is just part of what I have to do to either maintain the relationship or to just be a good Christian wife. Blah. No, that's disgusting. That's wrong. And and that's when that woman, like you're saying, Sam, she becomes a slave. And so I love that. I'm I'm all with you in that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. For freedom, Christ has set us free. You know, like we must embrace the freedom of the children of God. And I also want to emphasize like Christ's sacrifice for us was completely free. It was the freest act in all of history. Like, yeah. no one made him do that. And he could have said no. Yeah. No obligation there. 
Like no one, like there's no have to there. Christ did it out of love yeah. for us, like radical love for us. Yes. But he didn't have to. He could have just let us all, you know, drop into hell and washed his hands of it, yeah. right? Like he had no obligation exactly. there. <laughs> Hoped that it would. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so just this, um, this idea of freedom yeah. is so, so key. And boundaries are an expression of freedom. You know, this yeah. far, no further. I want to be in relationship with you. I want to. This is not about cutting you off. I'm trying to make this relationship work. But you can't use me. You can't manipulate me. You can't, you know, gaslight me or do all of these unhealthy behaviors that people can fall into. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. But boundaries are saying, I am a free human being. I am not going to let you treat me this way. Because the unfortunate fact is human nature, fallen human nature is such that people will take as much as you allow them to take. Yes. If you allow someone to call you five times a day, you never say anything and you never ignore their calls or anything. You're just always available for them. They're going to keep doing it until you say no more. So this right. is a, this is an exercise of growing in freedom and learning to exercise that will where true love actually flows from. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. And I would, I just, something you said, and we need to move on to the next one, but I, it's something that you said <laughs> about being able to say no and, uh, fasting and, you know, and prayer and these sort of self-disciplines that we do are helping us be able to be the man that can say yes or no. And what you're saying is that this is discipline, right? We're called to be disciples, right? Disciples and discipline, um, use, have the same root words there as to teach, right? And so we're teaching ourselves, um, through uh, our practices, through here we are in Lent, through fasting and everything. That's one of the great merits and one of the great benefits of fasting is being able to say no to ourselves so that we can therefore be able to understand where to say no um, in other places in life. And I'll just say that I, I appreciate the clarity because boundaries might need to come up by the sheer fact that you are only one person. You do, do not have infinite amount of time on your hand. And so those boundaries might need to come up uh, with new individuals that are coming into your life that um, would would be a good friend, but at this season in life, you know, other obligations are required of you. So let's move on to the next one, which is barriers. And these barriers are very uh, much very strict, right? Is that when you have relationships, either brothers or um, what do we say at the beginning, neighbors, right? Kind of brotherhood and and then neighbors in the secular world, there might be um, for those neighbors might be barriers that you have to set up. And those barriers are very much established boundaries. Uh, that you're not going to be engaging in any long-term communications with this individual because of various reasons that I hope we'll be able to go into uh, later in this episode. But I think immediately of my life as a father and how this idea of boundaries has taken on a new shape um, as a father. And I think about it for the protection of my children, um, both from other adults. So for instance, there are other families that we will not hang around because the parents in that family and are not being parents, frankly, and expose their children to all sorts of debauchery and to things that are uh, beyond a, ch- a child shouldn't ever see or, or be ex- exposed to. And, and I'm talking about, you know, R-rated movies and a lot of cussing and, you know, um, un- 
access to technology nonstop, these sort of things. We have to put that barrier in place. And my kids know, you know, um, uh, that we're not going over to their house, you know, even if they invite us. Um, also, I establish boundaries with my uh, with children and playing with other kids who are being conditioned by the world and uh, conforming their minds to the world in the opposite opposition to, as it says, I was Romans, um, 12 or, you know, we have to, um, not con, um, not conform our minds to, uh, the patterns of this world or the ways of this world, but, you know, conform them to Christ. And, and so when I see, especially since my children are so impressionable, uh, it's really important for me to protect them from those outside sources, uh, you know, whenever I'm aware of them and capable of them. So, Devin, love to hear your thoughts about yeah, this final this, barrier, you know, final exactly. level. Exactly. We have to protect so that we can inject, you know, we protect mm. our children so that we can inject them into society to convert and transform society into a noble, moral, virtuous society. But you don't put your pearls before swine. You don't throw mm. your kids out there in the transgender ideological culture and say, oh, go get them, tiger. No, your kids mm. are going to be like swept away with it because they don't want to be left out. They don't want to be marginalized or feel weird. And the world is excellent at oppressing us and making us feel like we're the oddball out. So this is where we're going to have to be strong. And this is where a man becomes a man as a father, as he says, no, this is a barrier. I, mm. I You are not you know, we are not doing X. We are not doing Y. We're not spending time with those people. And those are hard decisions. You know, we had a situation and I'm just gonna be perfectly, we had a situation where we started hanging out with some, uh, another couple through Christian circles. And we, you know, there was, and it was a new relationship. And, um, my daughter was like, we were all hanging out in the living room. We were talking and my daughter was gone. And so was their daughter. And I was like, but, mm my radar was up. Thanks be to God. And this girl was trying to do something abusive to my daughter. And fortunately we caught it just in time. My daughter has wow. no recollection of this at all. They were very young, but I had wow. to, and this is where I had to approach this guy and say, Hey, what's going on here? You know, I was charitable about it, but look, what's going on here. And then barriers had to be established. And I was like, okay, I will meet with him personally and we will walk through this together. And sure enough, there was a lot underneath the hood. And we we had to, you know, move through a lot of that um, together. Mm. But there was a point where it finally, you know, he had to make some decisions on his own. And those decisions involved a divorce and et cetera, which was very problematic. He wasn't willing to face the problems he had. But that's where the – I have a job. The serpent is not going to enter my garden if I can help it, right? Amen. And so I have got to put my foot down and I've got to lay down my body like a good shepherd would, you know, at the, at the door of the sheepfold, you know, at the gate. Um, but, and I'm not perfect at that. I'm not trying to give the wrong impression here, but I'm just saying that there are times where these barriers, we, ha we have to move through that. Okay, this is a pause in a relationship to, okay, wait, I need some boundaries here to, we need to create some barriers to keep this separated at some level. You know, and Jesus did this a lot, you know, just in the gospel recently, he's, he's done all these signs. He's fed the crowds with tons of bread, you know, 4,000 people plus women and children. He's done all these miraculous signs of healing the blind and all this. And then the Pharisees say, Hey, can you give us a big sign? 
You know, give us something yeah. that we really can believe in. And Jesus, he sighs from the depth of his soul, which is a sigh of grieving in the Greek. He's just so fed up and frustrated with these people. So what does he do? He gets in a boat and he moves across the sea and he gets away from them. And then he creates another barrier. He says to his disciples, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. Watch out for the leaven of Herod, because what they are, they're doubters who are going to try to undermine your belief. And so he establishes another barrier. So yeah. we can learn from Christness. It's not that we're called to be separatists, but there's a time where we have to draw the line in the sand and say, and usually like in Christ's case, he's protecting his disciples. Usually in our case is we're protecting our wives and our children, because generally we can stay in a relationship somewhat and still, you know, you know, meet with this person so often and still retain our faith, still retain strong, unless we've got addictions and problems. But anyway, yeah. No, I think yeah. it's really good. Sam, yeah, please. I, I think the the barriers, too, is it, it absolutely is for, for our families and protecting our families, but also for yourself. I think there's times when people are actively harming you and you just have to say, I can't put myself in contact with this person anymore. And tragically, sometimes that can even be parents. Parents can be really abusive sometimes. And maybe you've gotten older yeah. and you're like, even yeah. after your conversion, like you're like still trying to maintain a relationship with them because God says, honor your father and mother. Mm -hmm. And like, we should love our parents. And, and I do love my parents. And like, maybe, maybe I should just keep trying. You're like, no, actually you don't have to do that. You can forgive someone <laughs> right. without allowing yourself to continually be actively harmed by them. And if we're talking about something yeah. that's ongoing, they're still trying to manipulate you. They're still verbally abusing you. They're still harming you in some way. It's okay to draw a line, even with your parents, and say, I can't do this anymore. I need for the health of my soul, for the health of my emotional life, like I need to step back and not engage with you anymore. And, and yeah. anyone like that. And I think this is a really good point, like a really good time to identify what we even – talk about when we're, when we say toxic people, what are we talking about? You know, maybe we should have clarified this at the beginning, but for me, it's like anyone who's actively doing harm. And, mm. and I will also clarify that it's someone who's actively doing harm and unwilling to listen and unwilling to change. If someone mm. is willing to hear you out and there's a willingness of, for growth there, they're not a toxic person. They're, they're just a difficult person. And that's what's different is that difficult people right. can be doing harmful things. But once you bring it to their attention, they're, they're truly contrite. And they're willing to say, like, how can I learn and grow? How can we make this better? But a toxic person won't do that. A toxic person is harming yeah. you and they're unwilling to stop harming you. Like that's the red flag to look for is if they are unwilling to change, even after your attempts at communication after attempts at breaks and boundaries and all of that, if they are still leaning in and persisting in this, this harmful behavior, they are a toxic person and they need a hard no in your life. Like whether that's, you know, blocking yes. their phone number, uh, not letting you talk to them, texting anymore, agreed. like anything like that. Like if you need to do it, you need to do it because Christ never calls us to allow ourselves to be actively abused by other people. That's not what, sacrificial love is about okay and and the, sometimes people are unaware of their behavior but once you bring it to their attention 
they are responsible at that point for what they do with that. Um, and some people actually are malicious enough that they are trying to hurt you. They are aware of it and they mm-hmm. know it and they're trying to hurt you. Those mm-hmm. kind of people, there's no, there's no, well, let's work this out. Like let's negotiate. Let's, you know, discern how we can still be friends or no, like at that point, if that's the impression that you're getting is that they know what they're doing and they just don't care or worse, they're blaming you and gaslighting you, which is saying it's actually your problem. I don't have a problem. It's you. You're just too sensitive or you're just, you're just too, your feelings get hurt too much or whatever. Like, like that's a big red flag. And that's where those, yeah. those hard breaks need to come. I mean, not breaks. What's the, what's the B that we're on? Barriers. barriers. Yeah. Barriers. That's where yeah. A barrier yeah. Necessary. Absolutely necessary. <laughs> yeah. And you should not feel bad about that. It is absolutely a sign of respecting your own dignity as a child of God to say no. I'm going to cut you out of my life if you continue to treat me this way. And, you know, that should not be taken un- undertaken lightly. It should be after attempts at making things work. As scripture indicates, like we should go to people and try to work things out. But if we can't and they're still harming you, then you have every right to say no more. Hasta la vista, baby. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, so yeah, thank you, Sam. I really appreciate that. I think that's excellent and, and a great place for us to move on to the next thing. So, um, we're going to go in far more into this inside of Catholic gentleman plus, as well as talk about what holy detachment looks like and how to achieve it inside of Catholic gentleman plus. So if you like this conversation and you want more of it, uh, head over to Catholic gentleman plus, it's a great way of supporting us. And again, we go into a deeper conversation every week, but one thing I do want to give here at, in this, uh, public, um, edition of the episode is that I do want to quickly talk about how do we identify those relationships that are in need of these breaks, boundaries, or barriers that we've just talked about. And we have um, just kind of a little uh, set system of, of four Ps um, to to kind of help identify that. Because again, we're men and in the minds of men, it does really help for us to guide this because we've had this long conversation, but now you might be thinking about every single person in your life and not quite really realizing you know where they fit within this. And so hopefully these next things will will guide you and and identifying that so Devin, if you want to just quickly go through those four before we get on to putting on the new man and end this public edition um i'd I'd be grateful yeah absolutely so the four p's if you will where we can apply either breaks uh boundaries or barriers is the first one is pleasures you know so it's a relationship that's drawing out you know pleasure so it's drinking night game night whatever you're partying with your friends at the dance club whatever it is so <clears throat> is these this relationship what kind of pleasure is it driving towards is it is it making me a better person or not a better person do i have to establish a break here or do i have to establish you know a boundary or a barrier then you've got the second one which is pursuits or projects so you've got Let's say you got the father-in-law who's always having you over to work on something at his house. You got the sponger who's always wanting you to do something for them, right? Needing more money. Okay, well, I mean, just the pursuits and projects. Look, I need you to do something for me all the time. That's another category. Then you got personalities. And we've talked about this pretty much the whole time. But, you know, you've got the personality that is disagreeable or they're cursing or they're vile or they're volatile or emotional or they're negative or they're, you know, whatever they are, they're critical and condemning or they're an enabler or whatever it is. That's one of the categories we go, you know what? Our personalities really are not meshing no matter how hard I try. So do I either need to put a break here, a boundary or a barrier? And then the last P besides those other three is perversion. 
And that's what Sam was talking about, where someone is abusing you sexually, emotionally, physically, mentally, you're being used, you know, you're being abused, you know, there's toxicity and there, there's gossip and, you know, this criticalness all the time. So the, there's a perversion of the good in the relationship. And so in that case, for sure, in my opinion, a barriers have to be applied and you may be able to maintain a relationship, but, and then I would just say there's another P and the, the P is problem. And the problem is actually a lot of times us, you know, mm, so that's identifying the yeah. problem, which is me or you and making sure that we're not just writing off people. But I think that by taking these categories of these four P's, right, which is pleasures, pursuits or projects, and then you've got personalities and they got perversion or perverted people. You can really go through that process of, is this where a break is needed? Is this where a boundary is needed? Is this where a barrier is needed? And it, yeah, it just and really, really helps to give a good framework. It does. And I really love that because it's oftentimes that we meet <clears throat> these individuals in our lives, uh, family or friends, and we know that there's just something off and we're just frustrated. Right. And then our frustration, you know, kind of our, our spine, you know, uh, perks up and we don't really know why I think these can really help us better understand why and, and the differences uh, that we are currently in, in life so that we can better establish um, these different um, breaks and um, uh, roadmap, if you will, towards healthy relationships. So um, I want to shift here and I want to put on the new man, right? So this is the challenge that we give every uh, week. My challenge for men this week is we are here during Lent and I don't want you to just abstain from meat on Fridays. I actually want you to fast on Fridays. Let this be your opportunity to grow in fasting, not just during Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, but actually throughout the entire year. Fasting that's just episodic is something that's never receiving the fullness of fruits and abilities that, that fasting can bring to us. So Catholic Gentlemen Plus members are fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays, as well as abstaining from meat on Wednesdays and Fridays during Lent. Um, but I would encourage you, if you're listening to start fasting every Friday. Again, know where you're at though, when it comes to fasting, it's really important that you're not trying to give up breakfast and lunch and only have dinner if you've never fasted regularly before. And maybe for you, just not snacking between meals is the start of your fast, in which case that can be a very meritorious and beautiful fast. So I really strongly want to encourage you. Don't come up with excuses as to why you can't find a way that you can and, um, and commit to it so that you can become a new man in Easter, one that's willing to carry that um, banner forward, the banner of Christ uh, uh, throughout Easter. So great. Awesome. And as we end each of our episodes, be a man, be a saint. <laughs>